Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. We continue to produce daily content on FNFCoaches.com. Visit the website to check out stories about how the pandemic is impacting football across the country. Also, subscribe to the FNF Coaches Podcast on your preferred platform. We're on Spotify, iTunes, and most of the popular outlets. Coach Daniel Novikov is a champion coach in the state of Texas, which is no small feat. He led Parish Episcopal in Texas to a TAPPS Division I state title last year. Coach, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, well, how are things going in Texas? Have you got, have you started yet in Division One? So uh, things are trending positive, I would say. We, we've started practice. Our first games aren't still uh, – so 5A and 6A don't start until September 25th, but – it feels like everything's moving in the right direction and people are starting to kind of come to their senses and realize that, you know, yeah, this is serious, but at the same time, it could be here for a while and doesn't look like it's going anywhere. So we're going to have to kind of learn how to live with it and give the kids an experience so they can have a, a football season. So that, that part of it feels like a positive. We're moving in the right direction there. And we're, you know, some of the lower level teams, they started on the, um, the first week, which is August 28th. So they've been playing and, pretty much without incident you know you'll see cancellations here and there but that's probably going to be the norm probably for the next few years if you want me to you know my honest opinion on how this is going to go I don't think that you know one day this is just going to COVID just going to turn off and everybody's going to say we're back to normal you know, I think we're going to have to learn to live with it and figure out the best way to deal with the issues which it seems like we're getting better every day in terms of not panicking and you know sitting the whole team out if one kid gets it or you know every, every day you learn something kind of like a you know, a game or being a coach, you learn something new every day and you get better at dealing with it. So that's, that's kind of the, the take right now down here. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. It is something that's going to be around for a while. I think, you know, a lot of the states that pushed it to the spring, we're hoping to buy some time and maybe, you know, hope for, hope for a vaccine or something to come out, but there's no guarantee that's going to be out in the spring. And even if it is, you know, it looks like the antibodies, you know, may not last for very long. So it could be something we're dealing with for a while. Um, has it been frustrating for you as a coach, you know, to kind of, as you said, we're learning as we go, but there was a, obviously a period there. We didn't know what, what the future had in store and we didn't really have a good grasp on what the virus was. Were, was it, what, when was the most frustrating time for you during the pandemic? When things started to trend towards, it looked like, you know, like when the big 10 canceled on a whim and it looked like everything was trending towards, cancellation you know these kids put so much into this and I can't imagine waiting to be a senior for your time and you know people above you kind of in a bureaucratic way just make a decision you know based on fear and not you know doing everything they can to give you a chance to go out there and play you know that that to me was really frustrating I think you saw a lot of other people have the same feelings with the whole Twitter trend of we want to play and you know I think that the power of that whole thing was was pretty impressive and you saw kind of the frustration of everybody when those decisions started to get made that you know hey this isn't just you know you're not just canceling some after school activity this this is a lot of people's lives they've been working towards for you know years and years and years since they've been playing little league football and to, to not have that experience for kids is just it's tragic you know i mean it, it's awful i don't i mean i don't want to sound unsympathetic or, you know not sympathetic but it, it could be worse for these kids than COVID. you know like that whole um i can't imagine you know, being in high school and not getting to play your senior year. So yeah. that was probably the most frustrating part, the, the waiting and not knowing. And then seeing, you know, entities like the Big Ten that, 
you know, have a lot of sway in the Pac-12 do that. And then you're like, uh-oh, is this going to sway the people that make the decisions down here? Luckily, everybody stood stood firm. And it looks like they're going to give us a chance to play. Yeah. Yeah, no, it is a ticket to college for so many kids in high school or even just their high school identity. They, they right. think of themselves as football players first. And it's, you know, it is pretty devastating when you lose that, especially – you, there were so many other things that were lost, you know, that uh, nobody was in school in the spring and you're doing these remote conferences. And a lot of coaches lost contact with some players on their team during that stretch and really worried about, uh, you know, not being engaged with those kids and what, what was going on at home. Um, sure. It's interesting. I talked to coach Randy Allen from Highland Ranch, who's a, a you know, veteran legendary coach oh, uh, in Highland Texas. Park. Uh, Highland yeah. Park. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Highland Park. And he, um, he started a thing with other coaches in his county because they got shut down a few times this summer where, you know, there would be a positive test on a team and they'd shut shut down the whole county. And he put out a survey to all these other coaches to find out how, how are these kids getting sick. And a lot of times right before they'd start up another round of, you know, preseason workouts, all the kids would go visit relatives or they'd go, you know, visit friends out of town. And they'd bring the virus back. And the virus actually wasn't even spreading within the teams. That's what those coaches wanted to prove, that when they'd come back, you know, they'd practice the safe protocols. They'd wear masks. They'd do whatever the state regulations or the county regulations were at the time. And the virus wasn't even spreading, even though these kids who would later test positive were at the practices. So, you know, I could, I could definitely feel that frustration among coaches where they feel like, you know, football might be the safest thing for these kids who – have so many other things up in the air right now. Right. I, I mean, I, I think that's a hundred percent correct. Yeah. Now in terms of um, what, what is your football background? Obviously you played in, played in high school. It sounds like it was an important part of your life. Did, yeah. did you grow up around the sport? Yeah. So my dad played at Notre Dame and was a, um, a really good player there. And then I went and played at Notre Dame. I wasn't as good as he was. I can't remember if he was all American or not, so I don't want to, but he was close. You know, he was one of those, big name players on the era Parsegan. Oh, wow. Uh, really good team. So I then followed in his footsteps and went and played quarterback at Notre Dame um, from 99 to 2003. Obviously I played high school football before that here in Dallas at St. Mark's. And then that was the extent of it. I didn't uh, play beyond uh, college. So were you, uh, did you play for Lou Holtz or was it Bob Davey? Or uh, I missed Holtz by one year. I played for Bob Davey. And then my last year I had uh, Tyrone Willingham. Oh yeah. 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 Um, now did you start at all at Notre Dame or? No, I didn't. I no. didn't. I got to play my final year. It's kind of a long a journey. I got to play in letters. So, you know, I got to get on the field under center at Notre Dame, which was a huge, you know, you kind of, you, you go there with the, the hope of starting obviously and winning a Heisman trophy and you got all these big dreams and then you kind of, kind of try to make it. Okay. Let's get some attainable goals. And, you know, one of those was to get on the field at quarterback. And so, um, at that time, I think I was the first walk-on quarterback that had gotten on the field in you know long time. So, got to play in letter against Rutgers in my senior year, and and uh, that's really what I set the goal to do is I wanted to okay, I want to get a letter, which back then I can't I don't know what the requirement now is, but I think you had to play on the field for over seven minutes or you know some there was some metric, and so I'd set that as the goal. And uh, in the last home game, I got to do that, so that was kind of a dream come true to say the least to go take snaps on Notre Dame field growing up as a kid I'd go to all the games and you know I'd watch the team religiously so uh to have that all come come true was was incredible experience that's amazing was your dad a quarterback as well 
No, he was actually a center. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who was the quarterback uh, starting when you were there? When I was there, it was uh, Jarius Jackson. Okay, and, yeah. Uh, Carlisle Holiday. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, you're about my age. I graduated college in 2002. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I and I I used to love Notre Dame growing up. That was uh that's amazing. So it wasn't even like you went in and took a knee. You you played seven minutes worth. Yeah. Of... No, no. I got to I got to do two or, probably two or three drives at least. You know, wow. Somewhere in oh, that's yeah. awesome. It was forty-eight to nothing. So it was touch and go. You know, not everybody could go in there and close out a forty-eight to nothing game. So I, I like to think I there's Joe Montana and then there's me. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> legendary performances at Notre Dame. There you go. Yeah, no, Rutgers, they had some good years later on. Like, um, yeah, uh, yeah that, like Devin McCourty went to Rutgers. Like, the whole yeah. Patriots secondary for a few years there was. Um, yeah, Raheem Moore, or uh, what was, there was a pass rusher. He's in this picture I'm looking at right now. I can't see his jersey, but uh, that was right at the beginning of uh, the guy who's back now, the coach. I just lost his name, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Shiano. Yep. yep. Yeah, he was uh he was actually up here with the Patriots. I, I live in Massachusetts and he was like a defensive coordinator for Belichick for like three days or something and then he, he yeah. I think it was too serious for him and he was like, Oh, this is crazy. But yeah. um so when did you get a sense that coaching was in your future? Did you know, you know, when you were at Notre Dame, like this is what I want to do when I get out of college, or was it just you wanted to stay in no. the game? Um I kinda had you know, I mean I was quarterback in high school so you spend a lot of time around the coaches so I kind of thought and my high school coach I'm still close with him today and you know he was in my wedding so we kind of had a good relationship but um uh, so I kind of had you know kind of a thought of well that, that looks like it'd be kind of fun you know what he's doing but uh I didn't you know go to college with the intent of coaching and then I got out I didn't really know what I wanted to do I would say so I I, I didn't want to take a desk job of like accounting or you know I majored in business but that was more because I probably didn't know what else to do. I didn't have, you know, I hadn't figured out just quite yet. You know, some kids go to college and they know they want to be a lawyer. They know they want to be a doctor. They know they want to be, you know, an accountant. I just didn't have any sort of direction that was pointing me one way or the other. So I, I got into business school and I just decided to do uh, business management. And then when I got out, I was like, you know, I don't know that sitting behind a desk all day uh, sounds that fun. So what else is there that, I can do that, you know, let you be around people and you don't have to, you know, you can get outside. So then, you know, you kind of gravitate towards, I thought about, okay, law enforcement, FBI, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know if that fits me. And then coaching just seemed to be kind of the natural uh, progression for me. And so I just got into it from there and I've been doing it ever since. Did you start at the high school level or? I did. Yeah. yeah. I've been at every level. Uh, so uh, during my career, I've coached from peewee to professional. So I did start, I started at the high school level and then went to college, then went to professional and then back to high school. Yeah, I know. So Notre Dame is a um, very passionate fan base from all over the country because they were like, you know, growing up, I remember they were on TV all the time. And like you said, they had that tradition of Heisman Trophy winners, you know, playing quarterback there and um I would say, you know, in my childhood, they probably were the number one team in terms of fan base, at least, you know, where I grew up. And now also, you know, you're from Texas, so high school football is, is you know, king there. And it's it's so much passionate and so much pressure, I would think, for high school kids. So which how do those two environments compare to you? Which one was, did you find to be more of a pressure cooker? <laughs> um. Well, well, when you're a player at Notre Dame, like you don't feel the same pressure that 
the head coach feels. I, I don't think there's anything like being a head coach and feeling the weight of the whole program uh, on your shoulders. You know, as a player, you want to win, obviously, but you don't feel the burden that a coach, especially a head coach, feels week in, week out. You know, I mean, it's to me, you know, I think part of the thing that makes me successful is being so driven to not fail. Like you don't want everyone to see you show up and lay an egg and put that on the scoreboard and be like, Whoa, what happened there? You know, they got beat 48 to nothing. Holy cow. They must you know, not be well coached. So I think that as a head coach, I think that's different. And, you know, as a player, you know, that happens and you're just kind of like, Ooh, you know, that wasn't good. We got to get better, but you don't, you don't feel it like you do as the head coach. And even as an assistant coach, you don't feel it the same way you do, uh, in my opinion, as the head coach. I mean, the whole thing, you're responsible for the whole thing as the head coach. And I think that pressure, there's nothing like it. I don't think at any level, you know, if 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 you're driven to succeed, you know, if you don't care, that's one thing. But people who want to win and who are in it to try to win, which is what I think is the name of the game, like I think that there's no pressure like that. Yeah, no, that's funny. I, we, we were watching um... – so over the, you know, the pandemic happens and, you know, you're in sports journalism and you're like, oh man, there's no sports. What are we going to do? So we, we started watching um, Friday Night Lights, which I don't know if you've seen it, but a high school football yeah. down in Texas. Yeah. And there are scenes where uh, the coach of the Dillon Panthers, Coach Taylor, is like walking around town getting harassed by, you know, parents or not parents, but, you know, fans of the team, you know, after losses and, you know, tough losses. And you're like, that's not the type of environment I grew up in. I'm from the mid-Atlantic region. So football was, you know, it was fun, but it wasn't like a livelihoods for, you know, or people, coaches getting harassed, harassed, trying to take their kids out to eat. Have you ever had an experience like that where, you know, you're getting, you know, you're out with your family yeah. or something? Uh, for sure. You know, I, I mean, that comes with, with the job though. I mean, but um, you know, there's a couple things. Number one, you know, you always got to be alert because you get recognized and especially, you know, I, I wear a pair of stuff everywhere I go. So you usually have people come up to you and say, you know, something to you, uh, whether positive or negative, it's usually overwhelmingly positive. There's not a lot of people that will approach you and say something to your face negatively unless they're really mad at you. But, you know, being a coach, like I think the one thing you realize is, everybody can do your job better than you. So, you know, you're, you're constantly facing that criticism. And I think anybody who tells you that, you know, that doesn't get to you at times is lying because, you know, you want to be well-received and you want to do your job to the best of your ability. And so there are times where people, you know, say things to you or email you or text you or whatever. Most of the time you get it through text or email and it, and it is hurtful because you're trying to do the best job you can do. And, you know, there's the only motivation, you know, I have is for the team to win and the team to, to perform uh, the best they can, you know, and to have people discredit you or to <laughs> basically take your life's work and tell you they could do it better. Or you're not any, you suck at it. You're not any good at it is, is, uh, is hard, but you learn to get thick skin and you deal with it. And it comes with the territory, you know, you got to take the good and the bad. So being the head coach, there's a lot of good things that happen and you got to deal with that kind of stuff. I know for my wife and kids, you know, they try to sit away from everybody because the stands is a really tough place. So, you know, they, they hear all, for them, it's probably worse than me because people don't really know who they are. So they hear all the parents chirping um, about what can be, what should be done better, what we're not doing right, and all that stuff. No, I, I've heard that myself. I used to um, cover games, and you sit in a press box, and there, you know, there'd be a row of parents, not even I don't know if they're parents or alumni, but just you know, older guys that are 
standing in front of the press box and they would sit there and uh, just pick the game plan apart and pick the play calling. But, you know, it'd be like third and four or no, you know, third and 14 and they'd call a draw. Just be like, all right, let's just, you know, get this, get, yeah. get to the punt here and, and play some defense. And the parents would just start going, oh, I can't believe he called that terrible coach. And you're like, man. They think that uh, the entire role of a coach is just, you know, sitting here calling plays on Friday night. They're missing all the behind the scenes stuff. What was, uh, what, how old were you when you became a head coach? Uh, I was, let's see, 36. Oh, okay. 35, 36, somewhere in there. Yeah. And uh, what, what were the biggest surprises? Uh, like, what part of the job were you like, man, I hadn't, hadn't really considered this or something that comes up that uh, you're just like, whoa. Uh, you know, the, 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 being a coordinator, it's all about football. So you spend every minute thinking how we can get better. I came on the offensive side of the ball, so how can we get better offensively? And that's kind of your main focus. When you go into being a head coach, you know, I'd say 90% of your time is spent dealing with BS, and the other 10% you get to work on football. So, I mean, that, that to me is the biggest surprise of having to deal with the administrative side. And, you know, there's times where – people even in your own administration are seemingly working against you and you're trying to play these political games and you're trying to figure out how do I make these moves to get what I need to get done. And you're having to deal with all these other extra uh, outside uh, things that you don't deal with as a coordinator. And, you know, I don't know that there's any way you can prepare yourself. There's only one guy who has to deal with all that. So there's no way as an assistant coach to prepare yourself to deal with administrators and, you know, uh, teachers and grades and parents and all those things, because you don't get any of that as the assistant coach. You just kind of oblivious to everything other than your unit or your position group. And the head coach kind of shields all the assistants for that. So I think, you know, when you, when you finally sit in a head coaching chair, no matter what level, I think the biggest shock comes from having to play all these political games and, you know, inside and outside and with parents and, everyone around and uh, fundraising, all these other things that go along with it that really have nothing to do with the game of football. So that, you know, you, you learn to love it though. It becomes kind of a game within itself outside of playing football. You got to try to win at that too. So, I mean, those, to me, that's the biggest change from going from a position coach to a head coach. Yeah. And I guess you can't really delegate that stuff to, you no. know, like, Hey, I don't want to deal with this parent or oh, why don't, why don't you t- step up and take this offensive coordinator? You know, like that's, that's right. not really fair. That's why. Uh, well, so yeah, I, I guess the message is if you're out there and you're a coordinator or position coach, be grateful for, for what you have for now. Cause there could be a lot of headaches down the road. If you, well, I mean, it's, it's a good headache to have, right. I mean, everybody yeah. wants to be head coach, but I think sometimes you look back and you go, man, life was a lot simpler as a coordinator <laughs> when that guy had to deal with, you know, all the administrative the administration and all the things that go on, uh, the logistics, planning the, the trips, you know, the timings, all those things that go on the budget and behind that people don't, at least I didn't realize um, was uh, part of the job, you know, like until I got in here and I'm like, oh, great. I got to deal with all these other things besides just football. Yeah. And I would imagine all that stuff's probably changed in the last you know, six months with, you know, the way that you travel or the way you have meals oh, yeah. or, you know, this fundraising, uh, have you, are there, are there any ways that it's changed in a good way or is it all just, you know, headaches at this point? Yeah. I mean, I think in a good way, we've learned how to be more efficient. Uh, 
you know, you don't always need to bring the kids up here to do things. You know, you can figure out ways through Zoom, through all these other uh, other means that everybody's gotten creative with to get the same thing accomplished without uh, spending all this time. You know, you see it in the NFL. I noticed last night they were commentating on how clean the games look without all the preseason and OTAs and all that stuff. And, you know, that to me, that's interesting because I think, you know, I'm always looking for ways to be more efficient and less of a, a grind, you know, making this thing a, a boot camp on these kids. And so we're always trying to find a way to figure out how we can do things better. And I think we learned a lot of things from COVID in order to be more efficient with, with our time and also what's necessary and what's just filler, you know, to make coaches feel better. A lot of this is making us feel better. So when you show up on Friday night, okay, we've done everything humanly possible to win this game, but how much of that is really <laughs> – necessary versus just you know making making us feel good yeah what would be an example of like filler something that you know coaches do just because it's the way to do it but it, it doesn't really need to get done like we don't bring our kids inside anymore we don't have them come up on the weekends at all uh they're not even using the locker room they show up dressed for practice all our meetings are virtual we have no no meetings indoors whatsoever uh you know, a couple of years ago, it wasn't as a result of this, but we stopped hitting in practice altogether. Uh, we don't ever go past thud tempo. We, we don't even wear practice pants. So we were just to limit the temptation. We wear uh, shorts every day to practice shoulder pads and helmets. Hmm. Um, we've cut the practice schedule down tremendously just because the time is now limited with all the other teams. Having to, you know, we can't have multiple teams out on the field at the same time because of the whole uh, what do you call that? Contamination or cross-contamination. Mm -hmm. so we've had to cut down our practice schedule and really figure out, uh, you know, hey, during seven-on-seven, seven, the offensive linemen and the defensive line and the linebackers that aren't going on seven-on-seven, seven, they can go down there and do blitz drill while we're doing – you know, it's, it's all those kind of things you start to get creative with uh, that help you figure out, okay, we can, we can be way more efficient. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to – I we've been on COVID for the last, you know – few minutes but I want to uh go back to last season you want a state championship so I want you know coaches want to hear how, how did that come together when did when at what point did you start to get a sense that that could be a championship team was it you know a couple of years in the making yeah it was the year before so the year before we had a really good group of seniors that kind of set the culture um and that team made the state semifinals uh and then we returned a lot of guys that were really talented but they kind of learned from that group of seniors. Uh, that was my first group when I took over and they took some lumps the first year and they kind of built this thing into the program. And it is now, and they learned from them, you know, the culture and how to lead and how to set a standard. And then that next year you, you had a feeling we could be a pretty good team, but uh, you know, you needed to see how everything came together from a chemistry standpoint. But once we lost, we lost one game. What, after that loss, the way the kids responded um, I had a pretty good feeling that they could be special. Now, there are a lot of factors that go into it. injuries, you know, luck of the draw, weather. I mean, there's so many things that have to go right. That's the other thing I learned to win a state championship. Uh, you know, everything has to fall into place, and it did last year. But I think that the part where I really realized this team's got a chance was probably the year before when they made the state semifinals and we returned a lot of key guys that also learned how to lead from a really good group of battle-tested seniors that had gone through a lot, you know, and they taught them the ways of, of how to, how to hold a standard and how to win. And, you know, then we just had a lot of breaks fall our way. 
Yeah. No, from year to year, I mean, you hear about that when coaches win championships or coaches are trying to establish that type of team that's going to be a contender. Uh, you you hear a lot about building a winning culture, you know, a team, a culture of winning. And, um, you know, it sounds like that's what happened there with the seniors that weren't even eventually on the team that won the championship. But, the, you know, they helped to establish it. And, you know, the coaching staff obviously plays a big yeah, part in that, too. The whole thing, too, at the high school level that I think really gets lost. Mm-hmm. Is you got to have an administration that supports your football team because they get a lot of flack too because of the football is a you know it's it's the most visible program in the school, so you're going to get a lot of people complaining behind the scenes about the football program. You know they get everything they want, they get this, they get that. You know, and so you got the the commitment from the administration is huge. You know, if you listen, you know, and you really drill down to any successful coach that's won a state championship. Somewhere when you read how they talk about it, you're probably going to find them talk about the administration really bought into that vision too of, of putting whatever, you know, doing whatever was necessary to try to have a successful football program. I've, I've never heard a successful coach say, you know, I did this in spite of the administration or they fought against me the whole way and we were still able to accomplish this. It's just not going to happen right. without that side of it too. Yeah. So you said you're back in action, um, what was it, next week? Next Friday night? Or? 25th is our first game. 25th, yeah. yeah. Um, what? So what's it going to look like? Do you, Are you going to have fans? Or, you know, what are you going so to? We're away, so okay. you're kind of at the mercy of every team gets to kind of pick their own policy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're the away team, so we're kind of waiting to see. But, yeah, we'll have fans, for sure the parents, and then it's kind of up to each individual uh, venue who how much – uh, attendance they're going to allow on a percentage basis. So we're kind of still waiting to figure that out, but the, for sure the parents are going to be able to be there. And that's a good thing because they, they need to be there to be their kid to be, see their kids play. So it'll probably be at least 30%. You know, I don't think anybody's going more than 50% right now, but at least it's something. Will you do anything to recognize uh, the state championship on the, on the first game or the first home game or anything like that? No, I don't think so. I mean, part of the whole culture thing is turning the page. You know, I told the kids that was last year. You know, this is this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the whole mantra we have now is it's easy to get to the top. It's hard to stay at the top because everybody's going to take their best shot at you. You know, climbing the mountain is one thing. Now staying up there and pushing everybody back down is the next the next step we want to take. And that's kind of the next challenge we're trying to achieve. And that's really, really hard to do. You know, I can't remember the last time somebody's won back-to-back in our division so we're kind of we're trying to focus on that and uh push that narrative so that the kids know that that's that'd be a really huge accomplishment Mm -hmm. do you feel like i mean i I think it would be hard to measure like how how is your team handling you know this adverse time where you know that you're not probably not uh, quite as locked in on the weight room or uh, you know maybe not the practice reps, like you said, have been down and all that stuff. Is there any way to measure how you're doing versus other teams? Or I guess you find out, you know, on the 25th, right? Uh, you find out on the 25th, but the biggest opponent you have is 15 to 18 year old boys, because every day there's temptation to go to parties, to do this, to do that. So you're constantly harping on them that, Hey, I know this is tough. I know you want to be a kid. I know you don't really understand it because you know, it's not affecting you the way it's affecting elderly people. And it's a lot of them, you know, it's kind of this abstract 
idea and it feels like you know we're the police and they're trying to you know still have fun and you got to try to get through to them that you want to have a football season these are the things you need to do and you got to buy into you know taking care of yourself and being smart making good decisions doing all the things that are required so that you know you can have a season and that that's really hard for 15 to 18 year old boys that also want to have fun in high school Mm -hmm. that to us is the biggest um thing we're trying to really harp on the kids is to make sure that they're making good decisions and not putting the team in jeopardy where we could lose games mm-hmm. in terms of knowing whether or where we are i mean it's really hard to know from year to year anyways and then in this environment with no scrimmage and you know just kind of starting practice i <laughs> anybody's guess is as good as mine yeah absolutely do you, do your guys get tested or, or is it just more you're tracking symptoms or like, how would you even know? I do not get tested. It's just tracking symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, well, good luck to you. What, uh, what type of, um, scheme are you guys, is there, is there anything you had to scale back because you've had fewer chances to practice or is it same as last year in terms of scheme? Yeah, I think everybody's going to be more basic. I mean, we've had to scale back. Uh, lucky for us, we've got the number one quarterback probably in the country or close to it i'm not sure where he's ranked right now so that makes things a little more convenient because he's like having a extra coach on the field and uh we've been together since the fifth grade so you know it's almost like he knows what i'm thinking i know what he's thinking so that's helped us from that standpoint but also you know when you get new players that have to step into new roles we lost a bunch of good seniors they only know what they know so even though he knows a lot and can make up for a lot we still have to you know, play to the lowest common denominator. And and that's, that's what makes it a challenge, you know, but I think the teams that are going to have success are the teams that have a returning quarterback and a returning offensive line. And, you know, that uh, haven't had, you know, returning coaching staff and haven't had to install a new system. So luckily for us, we haven't been, we haven't had to do any of that on the offensive or defensive side of the ball, but still you're nervous about it. And you want to, you want to pare things down and just run what, they can execute because at the end of the day, you know, what, you know, has nothing to do with it. It's what they know and what they can execute. Yeah. Is your co- uh, quarterback committed to a college yet or SMU? SMU. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just talked to a coach from North Carolina who was saying his um, number one guy is so North Carolina got pushed to the spring and their number one guy is committed to Tennessee. So he's going to leave, leaves high school early and so yeah. once they got pushed to the spring, he's like, we're no longer going to have uh, our best player. So at Terrible. least, yeah, that, that's a, that's a bummer when that happens. But um, yeah, I was well, sweating, I was sweating that out to say the least <laughs> early too. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure a lot, I'm sure it's impacting a lot of coaches all, all over the place, but um, coach really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're getting started next week, so I'll let you get going and get prepared for that, but uh, really appreciate your insight. And um, it's always great to hear from a coach from Texas. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. All right. Have a good one. And you can get this podcast and any others on FNFcoaches.com. Just search by podcast. We have all of our podcasts from the pandemic. We do two a week. Stay tuned for more on FNFcoaches.com. Thanks a lot for listening. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. 
Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at ForneyIn.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, Ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.